management, leadership. If you're all about that, I know that you're ready for the leaderish podcast. Hey, change your mindset because it is vital. Remembering that leader is not all about a title. It's about helping others level up, get their best. Talking about the skills, time to focus, time to represent. Hey, Dr. Brandy, break it down just like that. Time to tune in to the leaderish podcast. Hey, let's go. The Leaderish Podcast. Hey everybody, it's me, Dr. Randy here, and welcome to the Leaderish Podcast. And I'm calling this the after show. This is where I can invite all of my business buddies and friends, and we can have a conversation about some topics that are a little bit outside of my expertise. But we can talk about some things that I want to make sure that you know as you're trying to level up your career as a professional. Now, today. I'm just going to give you a trigger warning here because I have one of the most savage people that I know when it comes to talking about leadership management. I love it because I'm all about authenticity. His name is Ted Bauer. He's a freelance content writer. He focuses and specializes on workplace content management, leadership, anything that has to do with the things that people don't want to mention that are truths that are happening at work. He tackles them straight and head on on his blog. So here's the thing. A lot of times, you know, people have a lot to say, but just as a writer, he is one of the most entertaining, um, honest, authentic, truthful, but well-researched, um, you know, content writers in this workplace space. And so excited to have him on. We're going to just dive into some of the things that he's been talking about lately. So I just love to welcome Ted Bauer to the podcast. Thank you, Ted, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And also, man, that intro, I've seen this, I think, maybe twice or listened to it twice before. That intro is awesome. It's Thank, <laughs> Thank you. You know, we're keeping it millennial over here, so we have to make sure that people won't fall asleep on our podcast. So tell everyone a little bit about you and really how you got into this space. You know, I believe sure. that there's so many of us who are using our gifts and our talents to really push and thrust the workforce forward to expose things that are going on and have commentary. But just as a writer, being able to do this in a way that's so accessible and authentic and, you know, people don't like to read anymore, but, yeah, but you're yeah. killing it in that space. How did you kind of decide that that was going to be the way that you were going to use your voice to talk about the workplace? I think some of it is a little bit by accident. So I had always been interested in writing. Even when I was a kid, I felt like it was kind of like even something I did extracurricularly. So it's kind of something I enjoyed a lot. Um, I, when I was probably about 30, 31, I went to this master's program at uh, University of Minnesota. And in hindsight, I think it's kind of a mistake because uh, I came out of it with like a bunch of debt and uh, I didn't really get like jobs in those fields. It's supposed to be more for like organizational development. And I studied a lot of stuff, um, just kind of like team structure, leadership development, stuff that you talk about a lot too. And the problem was like when it came time to like translate it professionally, I felt like I was only getting interviews for like HR jobs. And, you know, so true. Right. I'm sure I could have done that, but my personality is probably not very in line with HR in general. Right. Um, I kind of wanted to do more like org development consulting, but I didn't really like at that point, I didn't really have reps in it. So I wasn't getting as many like feelers. 
So I kind of just started writing more about a lot of these topics. And it's been cool in the sense that it's helped me do some stuff beyond writing, like work with some companies on making their stuff more transparent or making their managerial tier better. I wouldn't say that's a ton of what I do, but it's helped me just like uh, find an audience of people that are like, yeah, some stuff with work is messed up, right? So I kind of like almost fell into it accidentally because I feel like I made a stupid decision about going to grad school. Uh, but it's worked out for the most part. You know, some months are up and down, but by and large, I like the fact that. I and they may have read something from a company, from an organization that you actually wrote, you oh. know, so uh, especially many years you've been in the game. So let's talk today. You know, I think I spent the whole last season talking about dysfunctional leadership. Yeah. Um, and so you have so many perspectives on that leadership management you know right. i personally believe that a lot of the content that's out there even some of the you know books that we've lauded you know they they kind of like glaze over leadership leadership is one of the hardest things yeah, managing it's like dog eat dog what are some of your just high level perspectives on the state of leadership management right now you know right. we're in the midst of the great recession people right. are like look i can't take it anymore right what have been on your mind lately? Okay, I think uh, kind of like probably the first thing is uh, just, okay, to go, go back one step to some of those articles and books that you mentioned, because I do dabble in that world. And like, sometimes I write some of those types of articles for people. The problem with a lot of uh, how we talk about business is we approach it in a utopian way, right? So you can't, talk about leadership, at least at a corporate level, smaller companies like mom and pop, nonprofits, sometimes a little bit different. But at a corporate level, you can't talk about leadership without acknowledging the psychology of people that become CEOs. You know, you'll see like us 20% sociopath, 40% sociopath. There's like different studies on that. Uh, most people say it's between 20 and 40%. The thing is, though, to want to run a large company, it's almost like wanting to run for governor or president or whatever. You almost have to have a huge ego. Yeah. You want that ego to be served. And I don't know what, you know, I think we're doing better on female CEOs at high levels, definitely in the last four or five years, but it's still probably 90% male. So I think what we don't do in those articles and books is we, we present stuff from a utopian perspective. We don't acknowledge the psychology of those guys. Like they don't, they don't care about, like if somebody forwards them an article about empathy or being a more empathetic leader, they're going to maybe skim it, but they're going to be worried about their next revenue call or their next growth call or their next investor meeting. Like that stuff doesn't resonate for them and they don't believe it's supposed to. And I think like, Maybe the most interesting thing that's happened in last two years, because we're taping this probably like, I would guess, nine days before the two year anniversary, like George Floyd. Um, I think we created this like schism where like the public and some employees were almost demanding these guys care about bigger issues, right? Like societal issues. And you had a lot of lip service and performative stuff where they put out like Instagram posts from the corporate account, like we stand together or whatever, but then they don't change the underlying behavior, right? 
So that's been probably the most interesting thing in the last two years is there seems like there's a demand for, hey, like do this right, care about people, you know, weigh in on social issues because you have an outsized uh, impact on the economy. And I still don't think most companies are doing it that well. Um, so that's like, I kind of guess in the last couple of years, the thing I think is most interesting, like even in the diversity space, and I know you do some stuff there, it's like, it just feels like so much of it is performative and not really aimed at like getting people to understand where biases and misconceptions are. Right. Um, so I just feel like the whole ecosystem is misguided. Now there are companies and leaders that do it right. There are great versions of both, but I just think we kind of have this like misguided, like worldview on like what it is, what it's supposed to be. And then people that attain those titles, I think they view their job as only like keeping the lights on, driving growth, whatever. They don't really care that much about the people side. And that's probably like 70% of what I feel like I end up writing about. It's like um, leadership. Yeah, you're accountable to a financial metric, a number, no question. But at the same time, it's like, why why would you want to be in those roles if you're not going to care about people, you know? Yes. First of all, that was a whole mouth. I got notes. And if y'all watch this podcast, I don't, I'm old school. I got paper notes here. Um, couple things that you said that I really loved and I want to kind of respond to love the term kind of misguided, right? Yep. I think we're in a shift right now where the tides are turned and it started a couple years, you know, several years ago now yep. where like the millennials, you know, it was like yeah. the millennial, they've descended upon the earth like aliens. Um, <laughs> But millennials have matured. We're grown now. Like we're we're forty. Like we're pushing forty. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and I made you years millennials, ago. Like, but if you take like yeah. the widest thing, the oldest millennials are like forty four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we're this is not new to the workplace. No, we're just trying be. to. Not yeah, we we've been here, and and what I think we have we have contributed to the the conversation is like something has to give, something has to change. Sure, yeah. I now I want a leader, you know, who knows how to keep the lights on because that's right. how I can get my raise every year or whatever. Right. Right. But at the same token, not at the expense of the people. And part of it, I think, is that corporate culture where we can perform and get away with it on yeah. different levels, on DEI yeah. stuff, you know, on um, people stuff until it's, too late you know we can still earn and we don't need this thing but i think it's coming to a head um and you know I, i'm one of those folks i i, I balance things out you know i, I like to be as fair yeah. as possible and m millennials they be doing the most millennials be doing the most sometimes they yep. be out of order right however we need that balance there as well you know yep well yep. one thing i think about sometimes is and I, i've thought about this more in the last year right is I feel like we get too focused as people, and this is a human nature thing, we get so focused on tasks, right? And like to-do lists and like trying to optimize tasks and all generations are guilty of this to an extent. And I feel like it kind of precludes like bigger discussions from happening. So at the societal level, it's like, you know, we don't really talk about like racism as well as we should. Instead, we try to make it tasks like, oh, let's do something to the police. Let's like say this semantically, like this guy's a terrorist versus this guy isn't. And at work, it's the same thing. I feel like 
we get so caught up in like what we're supposed to do on a day-to-day basis that like a lot of the big stuff falls by the wayside. So then you get like five years down the road and like this big issue at a company that everybody knows about, it's never been addressed because every day people are just like, well, I have A, B, C to do, or I got to go to this meeting and this call and whatever. I just feel like people bury themselves too much in task stuff. And that kind of limits our ability to like fix some of the bigger things. And that's work and society too. That's so true. It's those competing priorities, those competing agendas. And the thing is all, all of the generations we have been trained in, in, you know, to work, work horse, yep. work horse. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and it takes away our strategic mindset. And yep, so you absolutely. sit there head down, grinding, working so yep. hard. And like you realize nothing right. on the higher level has changed. Right. Um, and so I, I think that's to, a, yeah. I to, it's a guy that t- he's a, like a Harvard business school professor, but I forget his name. I listened to him on something like another podcast at the gym, like a year ago. And he was starting to do some consulting and he said, it was insane. You would go into companies and these guys would have 25 years experience in that industry. And you'd be like, kind of, you know, what's your strategy? What are you thinking about three years down the road? And all they want to do is jump to like, what's the first deliverable? What's the first task? Like wow. they can't think big picture. Cause to your point, they're so trained across those 25 years, just like, Output, 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 productivity, productivity. Like that's all that matters to the point that like the big stuff is getting excluded. Right. Um, And that's like what I think is one of the biggest flaws of work. I almost wish, you know, like offsites are sometimes like a joke. Like people, you know, they do like they do a bunch of stuff during the day with like chart paper and then they drink <laughs> at night or whatever. They put the sticky notes. Everybody get the sticky yeah. notes up. Yeah. They don't, I don't think they accomplish a ton, but I do almost feel like every company of like small to large size, like every three to four months, you should be like, give people a couple of days off from just like task work and just be like, Hey, let's come together and talk about like what, have we accomplished? What are we trying to accomplish? Like, are we trying to do anything for the community where our headquarters is? Are we trying to figure out ways to engage remote employees better? Are we like stepping up for our people? Um, I just feel like sometimes you just need to come together and move away from the task stuff. Um, And like to that people thing, this just popped into my head and I've used it in a couple of blogs that I've written, but I worked at this place in 2014 to 2016. I was like in some marketing job, right? And I had a cubicle and I sat kind of diagonal cubicle from this guy that had been there probably like 20 years. Okay. And I had been there, well, I don't know, a year at the time. And he got divorced and, you know, he had three kids. There were, it's like classic story where it's like the, the youngest kid was leaving for college and they got divorced, right? And like legitimately, and I wish this was a joke, the once people started knowing about it at work, right, that he was going through that, the CEO came to our cubicle row, row and he gave him a $20 Starbucks gift card. <laughs> I was like, that's like a dollar per year that just <laughs> has worked for you, right? So it's just like so crazy that like 
there are CEOs in the world, and sadly, there's probably more than half of them think that they just did something great. Like, hey, here's 20 bucks for going through this major life event, right? So I almost wish like every quarter a company would stop and be like, hey, are we doing right by our people? Are we doing right by our community? Do we have like a long-term strategy or are we just trying to like have good sales growth this quarter? And like maybe it's fine if all you're trying to do is have good sales growth, but then don't put out these messages like about how you're changing right. the world or whatever. I just feel like we don't, it's hard for us to like think about bigger stuff. You know, that's, that's something that weighs on me a lot too. Now, here's the thing, though, what I feel, I feel like there's a bottleneck, particularly in, in those larger corporate organizations yeah. with that. And, and not to blame managers, because managers are between a rock and a hard place. Right. But managers, they're not managing. They're working. Right. They have Absolutely. a title of a manager. Yeah. They're stuck under all this work. Right. And it's, it's for the manager to pause and say, hey, team of three, hey, team of 10, yep. team of 20 quarterly. But the manager is never going to do that, you know? Right. Um, and right. if they're a dysfunctional manager and they're a horrible manager, then they're blocking, you know, they're the, they're the guard for their team to kind yep. of not be able to get through. So, but yeah, what do you, what do you say about that? Well, I worked at McKesson for a summer, uh, probably like summer 2013, 2014. It's a big healthcare company. It's like probably one, I think it's on like fortune 20 or something. Wow. And I met, um, I got a meeting with like one of the global heads of HR there who was based in San Francisco. And I said something in the meeting, like um, I was just on a 16 week project. So I don't even know how I got this meeting, but right. um, I said like, Hey, I almost feel like you need an individual contributor track and then a manager track and you can make the same money on both tracks, right? Like figure out how to do the comp that way. Because if you don't want to be a manager and you're only doing it for more comp, then you're going to be a terrible manager nine times Ooh. out of ten. Ooh, that's so good. So, but he basically laughed at me, this guy, and he's like, well, no, one, everybody would just stay on the IC track. And I'm like, I, I think most people would want to because people don't like the messiness of having to manage other people. Yeah. But there are people in the world, especially in a big company, that's a huge company. There are people that would relish the challenge of having a team and like being able to do stuff with a team. You just need to funnel the right people towards that because there's so many guys in the world that only end up getting direct reports because they need to make more money, right? And that's the only path they have to do that. So you need to almost split. Um, you need to split the atom so that there's an individual contributor uh, path and a manager path. And then hopefully you get managers that can manage instead of managers just doing the work. Right. And I agree. So that's like a huge, that's a huge problem where you see managers and like, they don't have time to actually check in with their team because they have their own deliverables for their boss. Right. Right. Like, right. Well then why does this person have six direct reports if all they're doing is working? Right. They're not a, really a manager. No, they're a, they're right. they, And they're they, definitely not a leader, but they're definitely not even a manager. Yeah, they're basically just another worker that has like a slightly higher salary. You know? Right. Exactly. But you know what? I love that suggestion you just gave. You like dug way back into your organizational development. That master's did something. There's yeah, something it did in something. there. It did uh, something. Because my master's was in organizational development as well. Yeah. Um, but I love 
I've never in my life even considered or thought of that, but I like it because what it does is it incentivizes people to stay in their lane and work and be great in their lane and yep. do well. But but I think we then, have a yeah yeah yeah. Go ahead. Well, here's the thing: is like mm-hmm. we we already do it with engineers and with sales, and those are usually the two departments that executives care about the most. Anyway, we yep. already let. Like if you're a really good engineer and we know that you can't manage people, you can make $300,000, whatever, working by yourself on projects. Lots of companies do that. And we do it with sales, right? It's like if you're good at sales and you keep making your number, no CEO is going to be like, now you need direct reports. They're going to be like, go keep making your number. We already do it. It's just like we need to do it in other departments too, with other teams, right? So good. So good. It's funny that you mentioned that with sales. Years ago, this has to be maybe eight, nine years ago. um, I was talking to one of our like early employees. She might have even been like an intern about to be an employee at Millennial Ventures. And she she was previously working in a sales company, the top sales person. And it was a young, young girl. She was like on point, Uh but the top sales person she said had just gotten promoted uh-huh. and that next month her sales went down the drain and people on her team were ready to quit the entire company. Absolutely. I could see that completely. Yeah. And I was like, when you just said that it dawned on me, I'm like, you know, th- we really need to be smart. Here's the thing. What is it about corporate where they just, th- th- you know, the lack of innovation, the lack of, lack of entrepreneurship, or maybe are they risk averse? Like there's just something about averse. Like okay. people, more people that go into corporate. I think they just want stability and the opportunity to like, build a family and like, you know, have a nice house, whatever. And if they don't, you know, most states are at will now. So it's actually like relatively easy to get fired, especially in a recession. But I think most people kind of go into corporate with the understanding that like, unless I do something really stupid, I'll probably won't get fired if I'm productive. Um, So I think it's more about being risk averse, right? Um, what I was going to say that I thought about a second ago too is, you know, I've mostly been work from home or, you know, working at WeWorks or whatever since probably like 2016. Mm-hmm. But so when COVID started, that part wasn't a big deal for me. But what I always thought was funny was like, um, people were making such a big deal out of remote work, working from home for like a year. Right. And it's like, the thing is, again, we already did it. Like executives and managers let people do it in 2012 if they were productive. The The main problem with that whole discussion is we never admitted that it's about control. It's just like managers want you in front of them because they don't really know what you're doing, but they don't want to admit that. So they feel like, oh, if this guy's in front of me, this girl's in front of me, then I'm managing her workflow. But I worked at a place in 2018 and I'll just, I mean, I won't even change this girl's name, but there's a woman there named Savannah and she sat 10 feet from her boss, right? She sat on Instagram all day. I mean, seven hours a day, all day. 
And her boss, because she was there and she could see her, her right. boss was like, Savannah's great, man. She did nothing. She did nothing. <laughs> Savannah, we calling you out, girl. We didn't name the company, but you know yeah. it's you. But it's like, but that's the craziest thing. It's like, just because she was sitting there, her boss was like, oh, she's good. She good. It's like, no, she just looks at Instagram all day, <laughs> right? But that's the thing we never talked about with remote. It's like, it's... For most people, it's about control. And then it's like, um, for people that are productive, we were already doing that. If you're productive and your manager trusted you, you could be at a freaking Starbucks whenever you wanted. Or on a Friday afternoon, you could be gone, not even reachable, and people wouldn't care. But it's like, it it only became like a weird issue and people were overanalyzing it because we weren't admitting what the truth is and the truth is that the whole thing's about control it has yep. nothing to do with anything else you know and then in a to, to add insult to injury in a matter of three to five weeks full companies went remote like oh, that yeah, absolutely i was like isn't that funny you all figured it out you, a yeah. whole five, yeah. you have five thousand employees everybody went remote yeah. And there were security issues and there was so many, so much red tape before, but y'all figured it out in a pandemic, you yep. know, that's, um, that's like, yeah. Yeah. I used to work with this. Uh, I used to work with this guy that has a consultancy and actually during COVID um, it was getting pretty big and I was doing some like writing and I don't know, a little bit of strategy stuff for them. And we got a big healthcare company come in as like a prospect, right? And we were telling them exactly what you just said. It's like, okay, in March 2020, how fast did you go remote? And they were like eight days. And it's like, how long did you drag your feet on that possibility before that? And they're like, 15 years. See? <laughs> it's like, See? It wasn't, but it wasn't that hard. You did it in eight days and it worked. Like people were still doing stuff. The company was still making money. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. And it, and here's the thing. That's why I'm always going to be on the side of challenging leaders, challenging managers, challenging clients that we work with. Because if no, if you don't have that external force yep. number, telling you that it's possible for, you know, kind of not forcing you to do it, but just challenging you to do that. There are so many excuses, you know, even in some of the DEI work that I do. Why is it taking y'all 10 months to schedule the intro to DEI workshop, like yeah. either you're interested right, 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 right. or you're not, but no, what you wanted to do was you wanted to hire, you wanted to make an announcement. You wanted right. everyone to know that we've contracted a company. You wanted to drag all this stuff right. out, this puppet right. show. Now, I don't and, know if you, if you ever done anything with uh Tor and Ellis. I've been oh, yeah. yep. with him. So yes, I, spoke he, always I love says, he always says something cool when I've been at stuff with him where it's like, if you want to know what people care about, and this goes back to some of what we were talking about earlier, he's like, get an executive to dump like a month of their calendar, right? And it's like, especially if they're like a 54-year-old white guy, like how many of those meetings are about DEI, right? In a month, I'd say maybe one in, across 20 work days, 21 work days, right? And it's like, that's how you figure out what matters to somebody. It's like, where are they spending their time, right? And that's part of the whole thing. You know, we said the word misguided before. I just feel like we create this narrative sometimes about work where we're almost lying to ourselves and we're saying like, oh, all this stuff's important. You know, we care about social justice. We care about belonging. We care about 
competitive wages, but and it's like, no, we don't. I mean, some companies do, absolutely, yeah. and that's great. But by and large, a lot of people saying that stuff, they don't care about it. And if you yeah. got their calendar for a month, you would realize very quickly they don't care about it. Right. Yeah. And here's the thing, I think, especially in, in corporate environments, they meet to be meeting about meeting about meetings about meet. Like they absolutely. talk, and the more you talk, People get a high off of what they say, not Absolutely. actions. So they're very talk oriented. Okay. You know, if we say it enough, if we put it in the memo enough, if it's on the website yeah. enough, it's like we're not actually changing here. I got it. But we're friend, talking, you know. I got a friend who's a contractor yeah. Uh, yeah. for Apple, actually, right? And he says it's crazy how many people at Apple who make like good salaries and supposedly work on world changing products right which in many ways they do um they just schedule meetings almost to schedule another meeting after that meeting right yep i sometimes wonder and this is like another human nature thing sometimes wonder if we're too concerned about how relevant we are and that almost goes to the busy thing too where i feel like you know let's say you walk past 10 people in a hallway whether it's at a company or a networking event or whatever and you're like how are you? How's things? Probably eight of those people are going to be like so busy, right? Like I'm so yes. busy, so slammed, right? But it's like, okay, you're not implying that you're like that productive or you're doing anything. You're just telling me you have a lot of crap on your plate, which maybe you're working on some awesome stuff, but I don't know that for sure. I just sometimes think we we hide behind stuff like meetings or like how busy we are because it makes us feel like relevant or like people need us or we're important. And I don't even know if there's a direct correlation between the two, you know, um, that's, I always wonder about that stuff. And that's more like a human nature question than anything. Yes. Yeah. But you know what? I actually used to struggle with the same thing in terms of, you know, when you're, when you're being fake, when you're being inauthentic in a way, um, but, but it's a badge of honor. It's, you know, I'm busy. I'm swamped. You know, oh, I just got so, but what, what you're doing is you're, you're humble bragging, you know, I, that's really what, you know, I used to be one of those people that just, oh, I'm just so like, yeah. cause like, cause like I'm better than you, but like I said, I'm not being productive. I'm not sure how much I'm actually executing, right. but there's all this stuff just sitting around right. that I have to do. Yeah. I got a quote that I saw a couple weeks ago that I actually keep on my laptop where it's like, exhaustion is a status symbol right now because we desperately want to be seen. We want to belong. We want to believe we're lovable in the absence of better connection. There's always suffering. So we want to feel connected. And I do feel like you kind of see that with like exhaustion, being busy, being burnout, even like trauma stuff, right? Like I'm, I feel like we have creep on some of those terms because there's real trauma in the world. Like people get murdered there's genocide, there's riots, like there's real bad stuff that does happen in the world. And then you got, you know, 22 year old chicks on Instagram are like, oh boy, that I think is ugly, ask me out. And I'm traumatized. It's like, that's not right. trauma. <laughs> you right. know? Like, right. I just feel like we let these terms creep and it almost feels like we do it or we say we're so busy, we say we're so exhausted, we say we're so traumatized because we want people to notice us. And it's like, 
but what if we could just be noticed for like being a good person <laughs> or doing no. work, you know? You, you can't be a good person and have uh, work-life balance. Something's right. wrong with you if you're calm right. and you're not on edge and you're not, you know, who I didn't have my car, you know, you're not right. like it, into that. Right. So true you're saying that. And um, I'm so mad we're like uh, up on time because I That's really something. love the discussion about people and I've, I literally was thinking this, you said it, but I was thinking this a couple of weeks ago, like what is up right now with everyone trying to be so relevant? They're making up. And in the DEI yeah. space, I call it the oppression Olympics, but it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. why are we just trying to like, right. I was offended too. Right. I was misguided. Right, it's right. like, right. okay. Like I just want to be a part of the, whatever narrative and whatever's going on now. Yep. And I love the psychology. I have a degree in psychology. So I'm always yeah, thinking about Okay, mindset. Yep. So I love human behavior and just yep. analyzing like this is like I have notes and notes and pages of stuff that I'm just like, I don't know if they're ready for it, but I'm, I'm going to figure out how to not yeah. sanitize it, work but it in. how to work it in because we need to start thinking about it. And, and I think, it, you know, it's also an identity issue. Like I was I was someone who had to do a lot of identity work because yep. I was programmed as an overachiever and mm -hmm. being burned out is a badge of honor being, yep. you know, I got all the degrees. I got degree and I still felt empty. I still felt lost. I still felt like, and I'm like, I, I played by the rules here. I, right. I was the perfect right. student in the front. And I tell, I told my friend the other day, I said, you know, I'm so pro I was so programmed in education and got the, all the A's and all of that. That like, you're like really the dumbest one in the room really, because like <laughs> it's, the, it's the kids who, were who you know and I'm not not saying you know for the people who are looking for something to cancel me for but it's it's you notice it in entrepreneurship particularly too it's the people that don't have the the degrees yeah it's the people that yeah. are just scrappy they're like look I was a C student and right. it, you know and I'm making it so there's something to be said about like I had to shed that false overachievement identity yeah. but but we're raised that way and programmed that way because we're being prepped for the workforce yeah for sure absolutely like, and that we there's like uh, the swim lanes for success in like a first world society are very narrow, right? And right. I, you know, there's a lot of pressure even on like, you know, I feel like guys have more probably like a monetary pressure yeah. that women have to an extent, but maybe not as much. But then you couldn't even equate that to some like what gets put on women about like kids or family, right? right? Yes. I just feel like we have these swim lanes where it's like if you're not in this and you try to go kind of outside of it, people are going to be like, well, what the hell is this person doing? Like they're not they're not doing what they're supposed to do within their role. Right. So obviously there's a lot of psychology in it. And that's almost yeah. full circle. I feel like, yeah. you know, everything kind of comes back to I think we need to take the psychology part into account. Um, and we don't always, right? So true. And this is perfect segue to kind of wrapping up. I think, you know, for anyone that kind of loves where the conversation is going, you know, Ted is someone who literally is helping us all shed the fake, be more authentic, you know, step into really what's really happening. It's a new, it's a new lens. You know, when I, every time I read one of your pieces, I'm putting on a more authentic lens. And I think anyone that just blatantly rejects the truth or the truth that's there, or those aspects of 
you know, the multi-dimensions of a story or context in terms of work, life or whatever. Anyone that's just, it's only this, it's only this. They're not open. They're not receptive. They're not looking for the other possibilities. So I think a lot of, you know, your work, it's, it's almost like a ministry, like keeping us grounded and authentic in the mix of all of the, the issues. And we need to desensitize. People get so sensitive when, when they're being real and, and you yes. know, and just, gosh, can I just bring up the fact that we, the way that we're working isn't working well, but, but no, you can't incorporate, you know, there's right. the unsaid rules that you, you can't speak up. You can't be authentic. So shout out and kudos to you for just being that voice that's keeping that, that, you know, just that authenticity, authenticity in the conversation. Um, tell everybody. I mean, I know. Look, after today, I'm going. I'm going to have my um, chief of staff over at our DEI firm contact you because we need to figure out how to get you in the mix. But yeah, share with everybody yeah. what you do, the type of uh, work that you do that you're available for, and then I'll wrap us up and we'll get out of here. Sure. Um, so yeah, mostly it's like content, uh, writing stuff, different length whether it's long form short form um i try not to just do stuff to do it you get hired by some people for that but i try to help them tie it to sales or finding new people to work with or helping existing clients that they have um so a lot of it's like content writing stuff i have done a little bit of org dev work or just working with managers to be better or trying to help recruiting processes be better. So you get better people in the pipeline. That's probably only 10 to 15% of stuff I've done, but I have done it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's Ted Bauer, 2003 also. And uh, my emails at Ted Bauer, 2003 at Gmail. So, you know, just holler at me if you, uh, if you listen to this or watch this and you feel like there might be some synergy there. And I know synergy is like the ultimate buzzword, but uh, <laughs> yeah, reach out to me. I'm always game to help people out. And uh, right now, I think I'm only, I think I'm doing, I'm working with maybe like four clients right now. So I got bandwidth too. So um, awesome. yeah, definitely reach out if you got the opportunity. Um, yeah. game. That's great. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate you so much. And for everybody else, look, here's the thing. One of the things I wanted to do with the Leaderish podcast, you know, so many times when you're um, in a high level networks and you're connected and you're doing major things, um, I'm talking about myself, you know, people want to know who's behind the scenes. Who do you know? Who's in your network? And so part of kind of the after show segments and episodes that I want to do is really opening up the back the, the back end of the curtain so that you all know who to connect to um, people that I've known for quite some time that are legit in what they do. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Make sure that you subscribe to my special.tv channel. Literally, how are you listening to this? And you haven't gone to special.tv backslash the Dr. Brandy to get some exclusive content um, and stay connected. All right. Thank you guys. See you on the next episode. Bye. Need a rich podcast.